You're listening to Sarah's Story, a son hospitalized with RSV on the Child Life On Call podcast. I'll never forget him, you know, the first blood work. He just looked at me and was like, mom, make them stop, make them stop poking me. And, you know, nothing (laughs) tugs at your heartstrings more than that because I knew that it was something that was going to help him, help us figure out what was going on. But he had, you know, never gone through something like that and and didn't understand why we were having to do that and and why I I was letting them do that. So there was certainly moments that were very heart-wrenching and, you know, trying to explain that to a two-and-a-half-year-old that, you know, had never even been in a hospital, like what was going on was, was really sad. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of the Child Life On Call podcast. I'm your host, Katie Taylor, a certified child life specialist. As always, I'm so thankful that you are here listening to these stories and hearing from parents about what it's like to have a child with illness, injury, or medical needs. Hearing directly from other parents who have had similar experiences can help with healing and bring connection. Today, Sarah will share her story about how a very common virus, RSV, turned from mild cold symptoms into a week-long hospitalization. Sarah begins our conversation by talking a bit about herself and her family, and then leading us into the days before her son's illness took a turn. So, my name is Sarah Luden, and I live in Austin, Texas, with my husband, John, uh, my husband of six years, and our recently turned three-year-old son, Parker, as well as our almost 10-year-old yellow lab, Riley Luden. We'll be talking about Parker, um, and he last October um, got RSV. So leading up to that, um, he had never really been sick. He had only been on antibiotics, I think, one time when he was a few months old for an ear infection. But other than that, really healthy and and happy little guy. And so the entire process really, you know, threw us for a loop because, um, you know, other than our normal checkups with his pediatrician, hadn't really um, had any health hiccups. So um, leading up to figuring that out, it had been our usual kind of crazy week of, of schedules. I was I was traveling for work and um, John was juggling multiple, you know, big events and um, school and and all of that for Parker uh, while I was out of town. And uh, Parker had allergies here and there, as most of us in Austin, Texas do. Um, So we had just, he was congested and um, had a little bit of a cough, but we just figured it was usual, you know, allergies or, you know, little cold from daycare um, or whatnot. Um, But kind of quickly realized after I got home from my trip and we were a few days into it that that, um, his cough and his congestion and his breathing was really labored. And so um, 
that's kind of when we, you know, put steps in place to try to figure out what was going on. And um, so did you guys take him to the doctor? Or? So we did. We took him to the doctor, um, you know, a day or two after I got home. We took him to his pediatrician. And um, even there, everything kind of checked out. It was uh, the doctor thought it was probably just a regular cold or allergies because he knew that, you know, Parker had had allergies. And um, he also thought that it could have been um, teething symptoms because his back molars were, um, his last molars were coming in. And so thought maybe it was just added drainage from that. So we had an appointment that Friday and went in and just figured, you know, this would pass and it was another cold or allergies or nothing really to worry about. Um, so that was the Friday of the week and then it just kept getting worse. So Sunday, um, we had, uh, a doctor from remedy come to the house. Uh, remedy is a, uh, an app in Austin where the doctor comes to your home, which, having small children is just the most convenient thing in the world. So um, a woman from Remedy came and Parker had his shirt off and she looked at him and just immediately knew that uh, it was something more serious because he, she could see uh, from his labored breathing that he was having retractions and really working much harder than he should have uh, to to breathe. And so she, you know, was very calm and very professional, but said, you know, I think that you need to take them to Dell Children's and take them to the emergency room. So that was where it got really real for us. And, um, you know, I, I think when she originally told us that, my thinking was, well, you know, we'll go and, uh, they'll tell us what it is or give us medicine and then we'll come home. Um, or, you know, maybe we just need to go there because it's a Sunday and we can't go other places. You know, she told us that and we were all kind of calm, but knew, okay, maybe this is, this is obviously just much more than allergies or a cold. So um, that was the beginning of, of a really crazy week uh, in the hospital to figure things out. Sarah and I have been friends for many years, and I remember vividly the morning that she called me to tell me about the Remedies doctor's recommendation that Parker go to the emergency room. My first phone call is to Katie. I'm like, Katie, what do I do? I knew Katie used to work at Dell Children's, and I'm like, I don't, I've never been to Dell Children's. I'm like, I don't even know where to go, or like, do we go to the emergency room? Do we make an appointment? Like, you know, we had never really had anything like this happen, so I call Katie, and I'm she calmly describes to me where to drive in and where we go in and check in and all of that. Um, so we go to Dell Children's, we go to the emergency room, and they um, do the uh, measure his oxygen levels. And I guess that tells them, you know, at what if we were to kind of go in the queue or if we go in right away. His oxygen levels were below 90, which, um, you know, we had never even known to measure his oxygen levels before. So they were below 90, so that meant we went straight back um, because anything below that for, you know, a toddler is concerning. So um, each kind of step of the way, 
it got realer and realer for us that there was this was a big deal. Um, so we went back into the emergency room and they started to do a number of tests and um, they did a chest x-ray. Um, they hadn't done any blood work at that point, but um, just monitored his breathing for a while. He was still having the labored breathing and um, they got the, the chest x-ray back and uh, it had turned into pneumonia. So at that point, they didn't know if it was viral or bacterial or um, they didn't know what had caused it. So um, and we were also, his oxygen levels started to get a little bit better while we were back there. So it was, it was one of those scenarios where we actually had the option. They said, you know, you're kind of on the cusp. His oxygen number started to go to the low 90s. And so we thought, you know, maybe this, this isn't as bad. And maybe, you know, he's on the path to recovery. And so they gave us the option. They said, you know, to be safe, you know, it would be good to stay here in case he gets worse. But now that he's into the low 90s, um, you know, it's kind of up to you. He could also uh, go home and bounce back and, and everything's okay. And, you know, we could tell you, you know, the steps just to, you know, make it more comfortable to to wait out the pneumonia. Um, so we decided better safe than sorry, let's stay. But even at that point thought, okay, it's just going to be an extra night and um, they'll just you know, monitor his levels and uh, everything will be fine. So we decided to stay overnight, which uh, looking back, I'm so thankful that we did. So they, um, we left the emergency room and went to the first floor um, of adult children's, which is a kind of regular um, medical surgical floor and um, admitted us there. Uh, so they continued to monitor um, his oxygen levels and his breathing and um, to think about what we were going to do. So uh, it was a little frustrating to us that we didn't, we didn't know right away what was causing the pneumonia, if it was viral or bacterial. So it was frustrating to not have a super clear path for how we were going to treat it. Um, but, you know, we trusted the doctors and, and knew that they were taking the right steps because, um, you know, I, of course, there's there's one that's much more common than the other. So they assumed it was just maybe like a walking pneumonia, but it had just hit him a little bit harder. So um, that first night, uh, that Sunday night on the, you know, the regular floor, um, he just continued to get worse and worse. And so his oxygen levels were really inconsistent. He was having a hard time breathing. And so they made the decision to go ahead and put him on oxygen um, just to help make him more comfortable and, and help his breathing. Um, even with that oxygen, it was clear that he was more comfortable and not as labored and not working as hard. But, um, you know, that was a setback for us because we knew if, um, he was on the oxygen that was you know meaning that we were going to be there longer but 
we knew that they were taking good care of him. So it was frustrating that he hadn't gotten better, but at the same time, we were really glad that we didn't make the decision to go home because we would have, you know, just ended up right back there. So, um, you know, having to put him on the, the breathing support was hard because he had, you know, only had regular doctor visits. He was like, what is going on? Why are all these people, you know, poking and prodding me? Um, at that point, also, they had decided to draw some blood work and, and do some labs and just see if maybe there was something else here that um, beyond just the pneumonia that, that they hadn't figured out um, just because he wasn't progressing the way that they had thought. So um, it was a rough, you know, first night and, um, Nobody slept well, of course. Uh, nobody ever does in a hospital, but um, he just had a really hard time sleeping and catching his breath. And so, um, you know, inconsistent oxygen levels and just wasn't progressing the way that they had thought. So um, they made the decision to move him up to um, the intermediate care. Um, so we got there and, you know, there was just more equipment and um, more support that could help him get through that. So it was kind of one of those things that going in, we thought, okay, we'll get there. They'll tell us what it is and we'll go home. And each day that we were there, it, it became obvious that this was much more serious than just a little cold or allergies. So, um, you know, we just, Nobody's ever prepared for that, but um, it was difficult because things weren't getting better the way that we hoped. So um, we were in the intermediate care. Um, there was more options there to make him comfortable. They had um, like a vest, uh, a vibrating vest uh, for respiratory treatments that um, came in and just kind of shook everything up and um, helped him you know, clear out his lungs a little bit. So we started doing those, um, did more blood work, um, still hadn't figured out exactly what was causing it, um, even did some precautionary antibiotics. So there was there was lots of people in and out, even more um, poking and prodding. And um, Perker was a champ, but, you know, it's, it's hard as a mom to see that. And um, I'll never forget, him you know the first blood work he just looked at me and was like mom make them stop make them stop poking me and you know nothing <laughs> tugs at your heartstrings more than that because I knew that it was something that was going to help him help us figure out what was going on but you know he had you know never gone through something like that and, and didn't understand why we were having to do that and, and why I was I was letting them do that so there was certainly moments that um, were very heart-wrenching and you know trying to explain that to a two and a half year old that you know had never even been in the hospital like what was going on was was really sad and, and we still didn't know you know a few days in what was causing this. So um, that's where I think, you know, frustration really set in and um, so thankful that we had, you know, amazing nurses and family um, to help support us and, and help give us tips to make it easier. You know, when you're not um, going into it, expecting to have all this, even uh, tips, Katie, that you gave me, like having a, um, 
having a notepad there so that, you know, there was points where John and I were switching off just to go shower or to get a few hours of sleep, having a notepad so that every time the doctors came in, we knew what questions had been asked. We were tracking all his numbers um, just so we could make sure that we were doing everything and that um, John and I were communicating with, you know, what we were asking and, um, that we had all the information that we could and that we were being um, informed in the right ways and um, making sure that we were doing everything that we could to figure this out. Definitely. And I was just trying to think, you know, when did you finally get the diagnosis? When did they tell you, yes, this is RSV? Because the, the crazy thing with RSV is, you know, like days five to seven are the hardest. So if you aren't anticipating that long of a illness, then you just get worried because your child's getting more and more sick. Yeah, that was, um, it took longer than we had, had hoped it would, right? It was um, probably four or five days into our hospital visit uh, that we actually knew that he had tested positive for RSV and that had turned into pneumonia. Uh, because he, um, it was taking longer for him to get better than it normally does. Um, they even brought in an infectious disease doctor and, uh, you know, they started asking, you know, questions that you would never think would be related to this, but um, had he been around livestock, had he, you know, traveled out of the country, you know, like things like that, that you were like, would never expect to be related to that. But um we wanted to make sure that we were really understood what this was. So um, it wasn't until, you know, near the end of our hospital stay that we knew for sure that it was RSV. Um, the original, you know, doctor that came to the house said that that was, that was pretty probable because that was really common in kids. And Parker had, you know, in the past, few months surrounding that started a new daycare and was around, you know, a new and, and larger set of kids than he had been before. So, um, you know, that, that made sense, but um, there was a lot of unknown in the beginning. So yeah, it was, it was frustrating that uh, it took that long to, to realize that that was, you know, indeed what it was, but, but you're right. Knowing, Knowing that going in, I think, would have helped us to understand that um, it was more than just the pneumonia. and That was what had caused it. But um, we did finally get to that. Um, we also, um, I think just because he was um, in there for so long, um, and this is funny, I, I didn't even know this. Nobody had told us this until we got home and we looked at the paperwork, but he was you know, given the, you know, mark that he got sepsis while he was there and, and understanding that the, the threshold for sepsis is, um, that can be categorized a lot more easily than it had been in the past. But, um, I think he, you know, may have picked something up while he was there and that had made it, you know, even a little bit harder to recover from an infection being in the hospital, you know, for a full week. So um, who knows when that happened or what level it was, but I think it just made his recovery, you know, that much harder. Um, 
so yeah, so eventually got the the RSV diagnosis and at the very, you know, kind of tail end of the week, they had been telling us, you know, he's he's going to, you know, do an uptick and he's going to we're going to start to see progress here and um that type of thing. And I think it was just a day or two longer um than than most kids do show that uptick. So I was we were glad that we started to explore those other things and make sure that we were doing everything that we could, but was, was certainly frustrating that he took those extra few days of recovery and, uh, you know, but Hey, I guess he just was enjoying those, uh, chicken fingers (laughs) and hot dogs. I don't know. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Do you have any advice for having to be in a confined hospital room with a toddler for a week? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we were lucky that we, um, had support from our family. So just coming up with a, a rotation was really helpful so that, we could be supportive and, you know, as healthy as we all could. So, you know, taking breaks and, you know, I think that was the hardest for me. I wanted to be there the entire time, you know, I wanted to make sure I was the one asking all the questions and have all the information, but um, realized that I had to keep myself healthy too. Um, So coming up with a rotation or a schedule and that keeps it, it fun for the toddler too, right? they get to see new faces and interact. Um, We had lots of screen time, which I'm normally not a fan of, but um, Parker for, you know, the three or four days in the middle really couldn't even get out of the hospital bed. So, you you know, we didn't have a whole lot of options of of moving or, you know, kind of relocating or a change of scenery. So we did do a lot of screen time and, and that seemed to, keep his spirits up and, and keep him happy. And, um, we tried yeah, to find him distracted yeah. for sure. Distracted. Right. So as people were coming in, you know, he, he wasn't as scared. He had his, uh, Blippy is our, our favorite YouTube show and, um, Blippy, you know, does all kinds of fun things and plays with construction equipment. And it was something that Parker was really familiar with. So it helped make him comfortable. Um, And then um, new books were good just to read him stories. And, you know, he, he loves books. So that was really helpful. Um, But yeah, just making sure that, that we had a good schedule that we were all communicating well. Um, one thing that I didn't know that, that Katie, you told me when you came was um, every room had a play mat. So we were able to put the play mat on the floor or, you know, just configure it close to the bed so that he could move. He was obviously connected to his IV and his oxygen and all kinds of different monitoring equipment. But, um, the nurses and and everybody was really helpful in times that we did want to move him to that play mat just to get his body moving. And um, he lost so much weight while he was there just because it was obviously nowhere near his, his regular, you know, two-year-old toddler activity level. So that was a good change of pace just to get him kind of moving and get a circulation going. Um, one of the most difficult things for me that I, you know, you don't even even realize till you're in a situation like this was not being able to hold him or cuddle him when he was in the bed for that long. So 
by day three or four, I was like, oh, I just, I just need a big hug. And I, you know, I want to feel him close to me. And um, that was really hard. So um, even just me sitting in the chair next to him and, you know, figuring out how to configure all the wires or take them off, you know, take the, the monitor off for a second just to be able to kind of scooch him over and be able to hug him and cuddle him um, was really, a, you know, a good uh, momentum and, you know, happy moment for both of us, I like to think, just to, you know, have that connection again and um, just feel close to him. That was that was really special and something that, um, you know, in all honesty, I, I think I took for granted being able to, you know, hold him like that. You know, sometimes I'll complain if I have to, you know, still rock him before bedtime or if he's being too clingy and that's certainly never something I will complain about again. <laughs> for sure. I remember when I came to visit you and he would just look at you and he'd go hug. Yeah, hug mama, yeah. need a hug. And I know. I know, and he's so cuddly and so active and and physical, and so I think for him that was that was hard. You know, he was he was exhausted and couldn't move. He you know hadn't really been eating that much, and so he didn't have the same physical ability that you know he had had you know just a few days before that. So I think that was hard for his mind to wrap around that too. That. I'm I'm kind of stuck here and I got to, you know, figure it out. And even, you know, by the time we got home, it was, it was hard for him to, you know, build some of that strength back. What do you think helped you as his mom and John as his dad the most while you were in the hospital? I think knowing that we had a really good network um, of friends and family helping us, uh, one of uh my great friends is also a doctor. And so there would be, you know, daily hour long phone calls with her of, okay, here's what they said. Do you think this is right? Should I be asking other questions and um, all kinds of stuff like that. So uh, the network that we have was, um, you know, really, really helpful. And, and talking about it, um, not, not, talking about it, well, maybe talking about it's the right term, but like sharing our experience on social media. I remember a few days into the hospital, I just posted on Facebook, like, here's what's going on. And, um, you know, once we figured out it was RSV, it's, it's such a common thing, you know, probably not common to have to um, have it turn into pneumonia and spend a week in the hospital, but it's a really common thing and, and, you know, so many levels of, of how it can happen. So there was so many people that, you know, not even great friends that I'm still connected with that reached out and said, here's kind of what our experience was like. Maybe you should ask this or this, or here's what worked for us. Um, and so that kind of co like broader community connection um, was really helpful for me because I love to talk everything out. I love information. And of course you can Dr. Google, you know, and, and WebMD, but just kind of hearing those um 
you know, other moms experience. And um, there's tons of moms groups on Facebook and just asking them for opinions or insights or seeing if anybody had the same thing. The other thing that, you know, once we knew for sure what it was, um, of course, our, my immediate question was, what does this mean long-term? Does he have asthma? Was there a reason that this, you know, we we got this, you know, more extreme case of it or whatnot? And, you know, of course, time will tell, and it's hard to know that. Um, but that was a really good question for me to ask, you know, kind of that broader community of moms that I knew had had RSV, their kiddos had had RSV-induced pneumonia. Um, and then just, you know, staying positive. It's it, it There was certainly periods of time where John and I swapped being the the positive, you know, one in the scenario. I would I would get down about, you know, why don't we know yet and why aren't we doing more or, you know, just get frustrated and um he would be the positive one. And so just being able to support each other in that way, having a community of people where it whether that's the people in your life and in your city and um, the nurses, or it's an online community. There's, there's always, you know, people that have, have gone through similar things or um, so being able to, to lean into that, which is um, sometimes a very difficult thing for me to do or to ask for um, was, was absolutely invaluable, whether that was, um, being able to talk about it, having visitors. Um, I have a colleague who lived down the street from a hosp- the hospital who said, hey, can can you just come here and like take a shower and just, you know, take a moment and um, let's chat. And just having that 30-minute that break and a shower not in a hospital was um, super valuable. And you don't, you don't realize that, you know, in, until you're in it. So, um people want to help and, and want to rally around you and just got to embrace it. And that was really huge for us. One of the other amazing things that helped get us through uh, the week at the hospital were the nurses. Um, there was one nurse, her name was Becky, and she was our nurse for the night shift one day and was just so just uh, so amazing and would come in and not only check on Parker, but check on whoever else was on duty. Um, I'll never forget one night just being totally exhausted. It was uh, my mom and I were, were spending the night at the hospital that night and um, Becky actually made the bed for us and you know not she wasn't our nurse she was Parker's nurse and so she was like okay here's tips to make it more comfortable if you you know put the blanket this way or there's this extra um you know pad that you can put here that's hidden over here in the room like just little you know configurations and and comfort type things that we had no idea and I you know, it was such a small gesture and, you know, something that she probably does all the time. But I remember just starting to cry and I was like, thank you so much, Becky. Like she was so wonderful. She even came in at one point in the middle of the night and covered me up because it had gotten really cold. And it was just, you know, that so comforting to, to know that you have someone on your side looking after your entire family and, you know, making the experience just a little bit better. Um, so Becky was amazing. Uh, 
the next, we didn't know any of their schedules and, you know, we didn't even know what day it was at that point, but um, we'll never forget the next night and it was, you know, seven o'clock and shift change and we saw Becky again and John was there at that time too. And we both just lit up and started jumping up and down like Becky's back, Becky's back. And, you know, she looked at us through the windows and was waving and, um, it was just so comforting to know that, that Becky was going to be there and she was going to be watching out for us. And so um, just having that connection with the nurses and uh, and knowing that, you know, all of the staff there really cares and um, was was helping us make our experience that much better. And it, even Parker got to know Becky's name and um, you could tell was, was really comfortable with her. So, um you know, the nurses were, were just amazing in, in, in helping all of us. Yeah, that's so amazing because it, it seems like such a little thing, but the impact it, it had on you obviously was worth its weight in gold. Like you still remember it. You remember her name. And to be a night nurse is a really hard thing because a lot of times you have to go in and wake people up and night is a really hard time to be in the hospital. So the fact that she was one who stuck out out with you is pretty amazing. You know, the thing about being in the hospital too is real life doesn't stop outside of the hospital. You know, you can kind of feel like while you're in there, you know, you don't have laundry or dishes or errands or anything like that, but at home, those things are still going on. And I, I think I remember something happening with John when he was <laughs> trying to get ready to come see you guys and what happened. So obviously we were all very sleep deprived and you know, we were we were tag teaming, staying up there at the hospital, and you know, props to families that you know, of, of course, do this regularly, but have other kids at home too. Like, you know, I don't know how you guys do it, so uh, big kudos. But um, he was home, and he was coming back up to the hospital, and we were gonna, you know, tag in and out, and. He was so tired and so sleep deprived that he gets in his car in the garage, backs up, hadn't put the the garage door up. So slams into the garage door and um it was just, you know, something normally that we would have been so frustrated about or whatever and so, you know, he would have been worried about chipping the paint on his truck or, you know, worried about the garage. And he came and he told us the story and, and we just all started dying laughing, you know, like it, it, this situation had put everything into perspective for us that it was honestly so nice to just have a laugh and to poke fun at him a little bit for doing this because any of us could have done that, you know, going on so little sleep and a stressful week and stressful scenario. And, um, it, it was, it was pretty hysterical. There was a few moments like that, that, you know, everything else in your brain kind of, kind of goes away and, you know, your, your full attention is on, um, you know, whatever medical, you know, situation it is. And, you know, you want to, Obviously, that is your number one priority. So some of those little things like putting the garage door up may just <laughs> not happen as seamlessly as they did before. But you got to laugh about it and, you know, move along and remember, you know, that number one priority and perspective. So at least it gave us a good laugh. And at the end of the day, it, it wasn't much damage. So it was it was it was entertaining. 
One thing that I think a lot of parents who have had hospitalized children know is that just because you're discharged from the hospital, it doesn't mean that everything goes back to normal. So recovery, once we got home, you know, there was the week in the hospital and um, we knew that it was going to take a little bit of time to to build up um, Parker's strength because, you know, he his nutrition wasn't what it was and, um, you know, he just lost some muscle from being in the hospital that long. So um, a few things that really helped us when we got home was just taking it slow and, you know, I think his mind wanted to immediately jump back into running and playing outside and going to the park and, and doing all of these things. But um, we knew from the research that we had done, we needed to really take it slow. And, um, you know, we knew his immune system wasn't the same. So um, we just were really patient with him and ourselves and tried to take it slow. Um, my mother-in-law got us a little mini trampoline, which was so great. Um, he was able to, you know, it, it still took a few days for him to build up his strength and even to um, be kind of walking as steadily as he, he was because he was just lost a lot of weight and a lot of muscle. So, um, you know, the first few days would just kind of let him walk and, and build up and just really be there to support him for that. But then this little mini trampoline was just so helpful because um, he was able to stay stationary and hold on to the railing and um, get to jump and, and build up that strength, um, you know, a little bit throughout the day. So that was really helpful. Um, and then bubbles were another thing I would have never thought uh, would have been um, would have gone hand in hand with respiratory recovery, but um, the way that they, you know, blow into the the wand is a great way for them to to build that strength back in their lungs and their breathing. So he is a big fan of bubbles already. So um, was neat to learn that some of his favorite things, like a trampoline and bubbles, were um, truly a part of his recovery process. So we would spend a lot of time outside, you know, blowing bubbles and uh, a lot of time inside on the trampoline. So I think uh, what greater things for a recovering toddler. So and then I think just really um, being patient and um, we kept him home for a few weeks knowing that his immune system had taken a big hit and just, you know, like I said, tried to um, really start to teach him the value of washing your hands regularly and, you know, covering your mouth when you cough or when you sneeze and um, using Kleenex and things like that. So the conversation around germs and the importance of um, avoiding them and protecting yourself, it was um time to, to start to have that more regularly and he was was really receptive to that um we also uh just became more conscious about you know trying to um sometimes hide some of those fruits and vegetables in in what he was eating at home making sure he was taking a regular probiotic uh in his water uh making a really big deal about uh, a gummy vitamin and taking that each night and just building some of those things into the routine because um you know he remembered that 
even, you know, six months out now, he remembers that scenario at the hospital and remembers, you know, why those things are important to stay healthy. So making it a conversation um, throughout the whole family was important. And if if you could describe what Parker has kind of taught you through this experience or what the experience in general has kind of done for you, what would you say? Oh, gosh, Um, I think I'm I'm so much more aware of uh, the importance of health. Uh, I think it's something that I took for granted, you know, probably for my entire family, but especially Parker before. Um, And I think we've really put tried to put in um, just more of an emphasis in our in our day to day. We easily get wrapped up in the um, the go, 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 and let's do all of these things and um, stay busy. But we've um, really tried to make more of a conscious effort on let's put practices in place in our family to put an emphasis on health. Let's be more cautious about, you know, what we're eating and drinking. Let's um, get really good about washing our hands and talking about germs and, um, you know, even since uh, the RSV, uh, because I think, you know, everybody's immune systems from being in the hospital for a week were down, you know, we've been sick a lot. And it's, um, I think we all, we all ended up getting pneumonia from the hospital. Of course, you know, ours wasn't nearly as bad as Parker's, but um, it did a number on, on our, you know, immune system. So um, the past few months, have have been tough and you know we are i think especially parker is you know definitely turned a corner but then in a longer term recovery than than we realize so slowing down our pace um being more conscious about um our health and taking that seriously um that has been uh a really good thing for us and i think you know when when something like that happens we you know of course, didn't know how serious it was going to be until we were in it, but it just uh, helps you realize the important things in life and gives you, um, certainly gave us um, a, a, a perspective about what matters, which I think we had in us somewhere, but there's, you know, a situation like that just shakes it back into you that, you know, hey, Sarah, maybe that you know, report that you worked on for a few hours or that business trip or whatever, or that, you know, the, the drama, you know, between whoever, like that doesn't really matter. You know, at the end of the day, what matters is my family and that we are all healthy and happy. And, um, this, you know, this scenario certainly, uh, taught us all that. And, uh, I think we, we try to remember that as much as I, as we can. And, and just to know what a fighter Parker is, you know, I think, um, even while we were there, you know, there was times that we would get emotional or frustrated and, um, he was confused, but he was, you know, really a champ at, at two and a half years and, you know, still had little glimpses of his personality there. He would make jokes with the nurses and things like that. So, you know, he certainly taught us a, a, a great uh, perspective about what matters. 
Thank you so much to Sarah for sharing your family's experience with hospitalization, RSV, and pneumonia. I'm sure there are many parents out there who experienced very similar things and feelings and stories to what you went through, so thanks so much for sharing. Another big thank you goes to Janet Anderson Photography, who took the beautiful pictures of Sarah and her family. Janet is local to the Austin area, and you can connect with her on her website, www.JanetAndersonPhotography.com. If you would like to connect with Sarah, you can follow along with her on Instagram and Twitter, and I will link to all of her pages on the show notes page. Thanks so much for listening in on this podcast today. Please connect with me and the other parents who share their stories on our social media pages like Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, all with the handle Child Life on Call. We will see you next week.